Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Welcome to Mary Ann Live. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Mary Ann Camarado. And yeah, today's show is a topic that's very interesting to me. I'll be so curious to hear and get feedback from you on uh, what I'm calling future tripping (laughs) and how useful I think it is to future trip. And actually, my guest today will agree with me which is in some ways very contrary to the growing movement of mindfulness, be here in the moment now kind of thinking. So we're going to be getting into that. And before we do, we invite our guest, Rebecca Costa, who's back, by the way, who I'm in love with on every kind of sisterhood level I could possibly admire another human being. This woman is a sociobiologist and written one of my favorite books in the whole wide world, The Watchman's Rattle. She's written a new book book for us called On the Verge, and she's going to be joining us a little bit later in the program to talk about that, you know, preparing for the future. What does that mean? What does that look like? What are the things that are coming down the pike? Some that I had no idea, some that are terrifying, others that are exciting and so forth. So I was thinking, as I like to do, about uh, what that actually means to be prepared to future trips. So uh, on this program, if you're just joining us for the first time, one of the things that I'm really committed to is helping you or supporting you in cultivating, deepening, or building your personal practice. Practice, by that I mean the ways in which you use resources to stay connected to your authentic self, to your best self, as they say to uh, help you move through the world in ways that enrich your life and others around you, uh, to be connected to the planet, to humanity, to your soul, um, to your relationship with yourself, others, and the world. And at the top of the hour, um, I spend a fair amount of time, which I'm going to invite you to do here in a minute, really turning your attention to the interior part of yourself, the quiet, slower place where we actually have the ability to do that deeper inquiry, to take a look and a listen to and for the pieces and parts of ourselves that want attention pieces and parts of ourself that we want to cultivate and expand and the others that we may want to heal or minimize or let go of or right-size is another way of saying that. One of the ways I will invite you to do that today is to find your breath, 
find your breath and your body a practice that is free and can be activating and or settling. Your job is to just notice, is to steer that self to that interior relationship you have with yourself. Some might say where God or the divine resides, right in the hara, the center, the belly breath. Seeing if you can't catch a wave of breath and just notice it. Notice the quality of your breath. There's really nothing to do about it unless, of course, it feels right. In which case, you might want to deepen your breath. You might want to follow it in one nostril, out your mouth. Maybe you'll place one hand on your belly or your chest and feel the rise and fall of your breath. As you begin to arrive in this moment more fully, more deeply, getting all here, so you can receive the gifts we have to give you. When we're all here, when we're present, you can really receive the presence life is offering. Just finding that resonance between your soul and your breath, your spirit, and your body. Taking another moment there. I'm going to offer you an inquiry in this place. an inquiry around future, the future, me and the future. When I even hear the word future, what happens? How does that land, the future? Do you leave your body? Do you pop up and out? Do you go up into your thinking mind? Any sensations occur, a contraction or an expansion. Just noticing the future. And you might add to that, what about my future? Do I need to know right now? What about the future? Do I need to know right now? Offering this inquiry to 
to your embodied wise self what about the future do I need to know right now listening listening with your body maybe there's images that come forward a dream you had last night the impending holiday season the arrival of family something later today notice what happens to your body to your emotions to your embodied self when you ask what do I need to know about the future right now how's your jaw about your tummy any tightness is your breathing change just taking note what do I need to know about the future right now And then taking a moment to thank your body, your embodied wisdom, all of the beautiful parts of yourself that are inclined to answer, thanking the divine. Thanking yourself for whatever came forward. And see if we can't, with that practice, make a nice transition into the second part of our practice, which is taking whatever that which came forward and seeing if we can enter a portal of gratitude. And that being the question today is, what about the future? or whatever you were just listening into could be a portal for gratitude for you in this moment. Whatever's coming, what is here that has already come, that is already made manifest, that you can be grateful for to help you prepare for the next moment? For tomorrow, should we be blessed to have another day? And anything in between? What are you grateful for? And really feeling that gratitude, seeing if we can move it away from an idea 
even though those ideas are beautiful and wonderful, seeing if you can really feel into those ideas and noticing how they make your body feel, how your body responds to gratitude. Do you feel more open? Is there some shift in the way you're sitting? Sensing? Imagining? And then taking another moment to see who helped it who helped you prepare for the future? What other people? What other institutions? Something, someone that helped make it possible for you to prepare for the future, for the next moment. Prepare for the holidays. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally. Opening up your awareness to include others. And go ahead and send out some love or a sense of energy, if you will, to those folks. Thank you. Sometimes it's just a smile or a few words of encouragement or acknowledgement that gives us the strength to carry on into the next moment, to the next hours. It could be the simplest thing or something very substantial in your opinion. All the folks it takes to help us prepare for the future. We are not alone. You are not alone. We will face the future together. We are connected. Let yourself feel the depth of that connection in a way that feels supportive and nourishing. The shared humanity. And finding that breath again. Finding a way to complete this inquiry, acknowledging yourself, your body, the faculties you have, the abilities you have to move through the world, just acknowledging yourself in this moment, maybe even putting your hands on your heart to seal in this inquiry practice. this investment of time, this investment into the future, into the next moment, 
seeing if you notice a shift and enjoying the rippling effects and how they may inform the way you move through the rest of this hour the day and the holidays knowing that this memory is there you created this you can access this and recreate connection to yourself your soul others in the world just like this and on that note I mentioned when we were just starting the program if you're just joining us hello welcome we're so glad you're here you're tuning into Marianne Live and we are getting ready to talk about the future in a way that I don't know might surprise you particularly in the climate in this world of mindfulness practice the invitation to be in this moment right we don't talk a lot about preparing for the future in that regard or do we I don't know what's your what's your particular bent on dealing with the future do you feel like it's a moment-to-moment thing are you a person that likes to plan and prepare are you a future tripper like me I just had an interesting conversation with a colleague we were on a hike and she is big into mindfulness practice and was talking about uh, the Pasana retreat she was on and how the first five hours of a 13-hour silent inquiry she spent planning this amazing party (laughs) she realized that she forgot what she was doing sitting there like how productive was that mindfulness (laughs) we laughed you know the invitation was to keep coming back to her breath and she thought well why i I created the best party ever i didn't know what i was going to do and this and that and it was just very funny you know, controlling the mind. She said her, Goenka, her teacher, talks about mindfulness practice in terms of your mind being like a wild bull. In her case, she thought of it as a wild stallion. How do we get a hold of a stallion who wants to run into the future? And to what degree is that necessary? To what degree do we really need to think about all of that, prepare, plan? Well, our guest today is going to tell you quite a lot about 12 principles of preparing for the future that we need to understand and get ready for because what the future is bringing is a whole lot of stuff, most of which we can barely metabolize, a lot of which electronics and the information technology is going to help us assimilate whether we like it or not, people. And I have to say, I'm not a fan of some of that stuff. I don't want my car to drive me. I don't want my car telling me what to do. <laughs> I'm I'm addicted to control. <laughs> I'm trying to quit, but, you know, it's, uh, it's been a long haul, I like to say, of taking the scenic route to enlightenment, or I am taking, I should say. Uh, but we're going to be talking about that with Rebecca Costa, who's back on the program. We love Rebecca here on Marian Live. Uh, she's uh, an American sociobiologist, author, and the host of a syndicated radio program, The Costa Report. Her first book, The Watchman's Rattle, A Radical New Theory of Collapse, was an international bestseller. And her work has been featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, USA Today, The Guardian, and other publications. And she's going to be joining us 
Starting with us saying there can be no greater advantage than of the future, not in nature, not in business, not in governance. So begins Rebecca Costa's much-awaited exploration of foresight, the crowning achievement of human ambition right here on Marian Live. When we return, don't touch that dial. We're going to be talking about future tripping together here right after these messages. Back in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No, no More Love, love Life drama, drama for Us. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce yet? We spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Live and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. All right, everybody, I know you are poison ready. We are excited. We're so happy to have you back. Rebecca Costa's in the house. We love you, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us today. Well, I love you right back. (laughs) I feel your love. I know you do. (laughs) You get great hugs, by the way. I remember your hugs. So between then and now, you've written a new book. You have been all over the radio waves. You are trying to educate us about the future this time, and you're making a distinction in your new book, On the Verge, uh, about foreknowledge and, and leadership as opposed to, you know, preparedness, right? Uh, one's reactive, you say, the other is necessary. We're going to be talking about that for the next few segments. Tell us how this book came about, Rebecca. What were you noticing that was happening? Well, I'm going to tell you a bit of information that came my way that made me feel I had to write the book. 
you know, I've been working in Silicon Valley for 30 years of my life, and technology is moving at such a, uh accelerated pace that uh, nobody, e- even people who work in Silicon Valley, can keep up with all the science, breaking science and innovation. And when I heard this, I was really set back. And here's what I heard. I heard that we could predict with 86% accuracy when a person was going to trip and fall in the next three weeks. Oh. Now, now when I heard this, I went, oh, no, come on, you know, realist. And, and, and I realized that we now have so much knowledge and so much data that we're able to connect billions and billions of, of data points that we couldn't before to the point where we can predict things and then avoid tragedy completely. And it turns out that the key piece of data that we didn't have before about tripping and falling was that, that your walking, your normal walking gait changes about five centimeters per second. And that is the precursor to taking a fall. So you could imagine for the elderly who frequently a fall leads to, you know, a broken hip, broken leg, and, and, and also is the number one reason for losing their ability to live independently, you can imagine how valuable a deterrent that is to be able to ping someone's phone and say, look, you've got an 86% chance of tripping and falling and injuring yourself and losing your ability to live independently in the next three weeks. And for anybody that's, you know, doubting that, they can look this all up on the Internet. There's any Mm -hmm. number of studies now that have broken on this thing. But you know that I'm always on the bleeding edge of technology, so I tend to get this information early. And when I heard that, I started looking at everything from the, the predictive analytics that we have for weather satellites, for uh, you know, screening people for cancers before they've even had any symptom of a cancer. And I started looking at all these predictive analytic models that we have, and I realized we're going through a major sea change where we we thought the future was something random and unpredictable and, and something left for seers and psychics and astrologists. But no, no, science is zeroing in on it. And if we know with 86% probability now there should be no doubt in anyone's mind we're going to go from 86 to 87 88 90 and pretty soon we'll be at 99 percent probability that you're going to fall tomorrow right okay so here's the big question i had when i was reading your book because i was in love with your last book the watchman's rattle practically everyone i know has read that book because it's required reading if you want to be my friend i thought it was brilliant (laughs) the idea of insight. Now, the thing that I loved about your last book was that there was a sense of interior wisdom that made me feel empowered. With this book, I got a little frightened because it started to feel like wisdom is becoming exterior to me, something that I have no relationship to anymore. Talk about that, please. It's it's not going to replace interior wisdom. We, We should never look at technology as a replacement. You know, and and I think people get that fear because they say, well, it's trying to do something that I don't feel comfortable letting go of. And, in fact, you know, knowledge is is not worth anything unless you give it to someone and someone makes a decision about the knowledge and then decides to act on that knowledge. As we're finding out with climate change, all the knowledge in the world isn't going to do anything unless it's actionable. 
And so right. we have to understand is these predictive models. Uh, you know, I might be able to ping your phone and say, hey, Marianne, you've had a five centimeter per second change in your normal walking gait. You know, you might want to consider getting into physical therapy and fixing that or, you know, taking a look at what's causing that or stay off of uneven surfaces. But it's your choice in the end. It doesn't, it doesn't relinquish any free will. It just gives you data. Now, if you're a smart person, you look at that data and you go, heck, if I got that big of a probability of falling, something's going on with me, and I need to be more careful, more judicious. But, but it doesn't take anything away from you. So, yes, the knowledge and the ability to look, look forward with high degrees of um, probability is it can't be done by the human brain. We we can't. We're we're completely un, you know overmatched by by computers. Computers can take so many you know data points that we couldn't possibly even study in and and let alone in time. We couldn't do it as quickly. Our brains just aren't developed to be able to do that. Let me give you an example of of um, you know an external. Uh, calculation that might be valuable to us, you know, when we got the knowledge. And that is that there was a company called Recorded Future. In 2009, they decided that they were going to go out and they were just going to look at publicly available data. They didn't want to mess with your private data or, or government getting into metadata. They were just going to look at news stories and, and, you know, what was up on social media and trends. And, and they were going to use predictive analytic models to see if they could predict when a government was going to fall. And it was amazing that in 2009, they put out a public prediction that the government of Yemen was going to fall and that that was going to cause a revolution that would spread throughout the Middle East. And, of course, within 10 months, the Arab Spring started in Yemen. Hmm. Oh, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And so we don't know. You have access to that kind of information, right? This is sort of this in, in the know, right, these kind of predictive analytics. Who are these people? What, what, where, what are these agencies that are, that are using predictive analytics, and, and how are they um, being organized uh, in terms of uh, government agencies or these private agencies? What do we know about these folks? Well, it's a lot like how the Internet started. You know, the first people who could afford to use these models uh, and, you know, had deep pockets were the government. So governments were using them to look at, to study currency, and the Defense Department was using them. And then, of course, they trickled down into the financial community that where predictive analytics is just part of everyday com uh, classical computing. It's not anything really revolutionary. It's now made its way into healthcare. Think about genetic testing we can do and the thousands of cancers that we can now tell you that you're predisposed to. Uh, and, and so it's, it's starting to make its way now into just day-to-day -day applications such as predicting when somebody can fall. Uh, you know, one example that I like to give is, you know, as you know, we're going through a major opioid epidemic in, in our country right now. And as you know and I know, there's no cure for addiction. We can mitigate it, right, and, and we have ways to manage it, but you can't cure an, an addict. There, there's, there's no cure and you're all done and it's never going to come back. And so it's a devil of a problem to try to solve on the back end. But there's a company called Fuzzy Logic uh, who has developed a questionnaire. They look at your medical records and they look at certain behavioral markers 
and they can predict within 85 to 90 percent that you are predisposed to become an addict before you ever get that first doctor's prescription. And I have been in Washington, D.C. right now arguing that that ought to be a requirement before any prescriptions are written from here on out. Any opioid prescription. That's right. Any opioid prescription because, because if I, you know, if I walk into a doctor's office, I don't know if I'm predisposed, genetically predisposed and behaviorally predisposed to become an addict. But if you can tell me within 85 to 90 percent I'm predisposed, I'm asking for some other kind of pain management strategy. I don't want an opioid. Now, most people don't even know to ask that. Yeah, yeah. Now this is and, a really and, good you know, point. I, was, I, was, I just got done speaking to 5,000 of the top um, uh, 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 spine surgeons in the United States down in Florida. I just spoke to them two weeks ago. And they feel miserable about the fact that they issued all these opioid prescriptions because most of the people that are addicted got started on a legal a doctor's prescription. And they feel miserable about it. But the fact is, is that the pharmaceutical companies gave them research that said that you had a less than 1% probability of becoming addicted. Now, the research was clearly flawed. But for that reason, and, the re and, and also for the fact that they were readily available, and they almost always work, so you weren't going to have patients calling you 55 times saying, hey, the pain med isn't going to work. They prescribed them. They were cheap, they were available, and they almost always worked. Technical data. So yeah. as a result of that, you can see what happened. Yeah, when we get back after the break, we're going to talk more about even though something is predictive, is it how likely is it to happen, you know, that, that it actually comes to fruition? You talk about in your book the three different areas, uh, nature, nurture, you know, uh, epigenetics, all that good stuff. We get back right after these messages. Don't touch that dial, everybody. More with Rebecca Costa right here on Marion Live. Back in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've, We've ordered, ordered No More, more love, love Life Drama, drama for, for Us. Shh, over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET. They've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. Did you know that in seven minutes you might save $522 on car insurance? Well, this makes sense. Since 21st Century Insurance's company's website has been rated number one in responsiveness by Keynote. 
Serving customers since 1958, 21st Century Insurance has a 24-7 online policy and claim service. You can get a quote fast and easy, so get your quote by visiting HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click right on the 21st Century Insurance banner. More exhilarating talk, HealthyLife.net. We're getting controversial here. Rebecca Cost is in the house. We know that's what happens when she's here on Marianne Live because she is on the leading edge of what's happening technologically. She's a sociobiologist. She's back talking about her new book with us, On the Verge. Rebecca, during the break and before the break, we were talking about the people being predisposed to addiction, for example, and there's all this um, there are ways that we can determine that, and right now you're rallying and lobbying for um, making it um, uh, mandatory or at least uh, available for physicians or hospitals before dispensing meds to offer people the ability to see if they're predisposed to addiction. Now, that being said, you talk about in the book as well, and not everybody that is predisposed for something like addiction or cancer or whatever, that that will actually happen. Tell us about that. Well, you know, we know through genetic research that you could be predisposed to violent behavior. Uh, you could be predisposed to uh, certain cancers, like we're, you know, breast cancer as an example or testicular cancer. You, you could have the genetic makeup that predisposes you to that. But it, genes are a little bit like light switches, right? And what the information we, that science doesn't have today is we don't know exactly what environmental factors, what foods, what behaviors are going to flip the switch on. We can only say that you have the switch, but we cannot predict today that that switch is going to go on. We don't know necessarily. So we can say, yes, you have the genetic predisposition for breast cancer, but that, but you may never get breast cancer uh, as a result of that. So, but but for most people, we don't know what we're predisposed to. Most of us, when we were born, didn't take a bunch of genetic tests to say, you know, am I predisposed to violent behavior, and am I predisposed to, you know, um, uh, soft earwax, am I predisposed to, you know, uh, uh, breast cancer. Uh, we we didn't take those tests, so. What we do is we look at our family history and we say, well, if, if both of our parents had had heart problems, uh, you know, we we have a good chance. We have a good chance of that. It may not happen, but you know, we should probably be aware of that and get tested for that. So, predisposed is not a sentence. It's not a foregone conclusion. Um, frankly, I like to have that information. Both of my parents died of colon cancer. So I am in the 90 percentile that that's how nature wants to knock me off, uh, mm-hmm. you know, barring a, a, a car accident or something else. So what, what precautions do I take? Well, ever since I was 30 years old, I go in and I have a colonoscopy, a very uncomfortable procedure. I don't particularly enjoy it. Can't wait till they come <laughs> up with a wand, you know, in, in Star Trek where they just wand me and say, no, you're clear. Uh, yeah. But... I, I'm in such a high percentile, I want that knowledge. And that's what this book is all about. It's about foreknowledge. You know, my first book was about insight. This is about yeah. foresight. And the yeah. fact that if you have foresight, you can take actions to avoid addiction, avoid colon cancer. We're entering a new era in humankind. Yeah, exactly. All right, so which leads me to our next concern and a really important topic. 
which is science and their predictive ability, how reliable is it. We have something we call junk science. Uh, science is really, like you were saying during the break, that there was some cancer research, uh, about 30 different studies the folks were trying to reproduce, and they could not reproduce the studies, which in science means that it's not good science. Tell us about how we know the difference between good science and not, and, and how can we trust? How can we, how can we know that what these folks are telling us is true anymore? Well, I'm a scientist by training, and I have a hard time, so I don't really have any good tips for anybody listening today on how do you tell <laughs> junk science from not junk science, because apparently <laughs> the scientific community can't uh, make up its mind about that. The study that you're Dang, referring that's to. that's exciting. Yeah. No, no I'm, I'm just being honest. You know, even uh, I know. how I am. I mean, it, it, I if, if, you know, I, I call a spade a spade. It, 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 right. This is the way it is. We In, in science today... We are letting through things that would not otherwise meet the rigors of scientific research and standards, and it's a great concern amongst the scientific community. Um, I, I would direct everybody to an article called Trouble in the Lab. And in that, in that they indicate that uh, Amgen, pretty big company, Bayer, uh, and, a, and another pharma company, went in and tried to replicate like 26 or 30 basic scientific research uh, um, studies that we all accept in the scientific community. And they were able to replicate, I don't know, only three or six. The rest, no one could replicate the results. Now, one of the primary tenets in science is you must be able to replicate under all circumstances the results. Anybody ought to be able to grab your research and get the same conclusion. And there is a big problem when you can't. So I don't know what to tell people other than find reliable sources like me. You know, I have a lot of people that are sending me studies all the time and saying, you know, is this junk science or is this real? And, you know, I don't have a lot of time to look at it, but generally speaking, I could look at the source material and see what they reference. Um, but but look, even scientists are having trouble. So uh, I, I don't blame the person on on Main Street for for having you know for not knowing who to trust. Right. So uh, advice would be find out in as many ways and in many as many areas as you can what we know uh, we are predisposed to on the personal level, and then do your due diligence, do some research, right, and then err on the side of caution. caution. Yeah, err on the side of yeah. caution right now. Uh, you know, there's information out there about what's coming, and you can act to prevent it and avoid it, just like I'm avoiding colon cancer, just like you can avoid the possibility of becoming yeah. addicted to opioids exactly. or from falling in the next three weeks. I mean, we're really right. getting there. Think, think about this. I mean, two or three decades ago, we didn't know what the sex of an unborn was going to be. Now... With 100% accuracy, I can tell you if you're having a boy or girl. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? And so, you know, we, yeah, we know so that... the future uh, is not unknown. It is, it is every day more and more about the future is getting known, and we're going to go from the 80 percentile to the 90 percentile to the 100 percentile. You know, I just had a bunch of people asking me uh, over the last couple of weeks, could we have predicted the massacre in Texas or in Las Vegas? 
And the problem with all of this is that we work backwards. You know, once the offender has already committed their carnage, we work backwards. And then we find all of this data that indicated they were reaching a point of criticality. When predictive analytics could have indicated it in advance. Now, this raises a lot of issues that I know you're concerned about, Marianne, which are, well, yeah, but what happens when we can predict someone's going to do a shooting like Las Vegas with 99% accuracy? Well, they might get all their guns, they may break the window and even point the gun at the crowd, but they still have free will. They could yep. still change their mind. So, you know, this presents a real legal and ethical and moral challenge to us. Right. One of the things we want to talk about when we get back, Rebecca, is Darwin's theory of adaptation, right? So what his biggest theory ever, in your opinion, and how that relates to pre-adaptation, which is what you're going to leave us with. When we get back right after these messages, everybody, don't touch the dial. We'll be right back right after these messages. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered, ordered No, no more, more Love Life, Life Drama, drama for, for Us. MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camarado is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLife.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about CORE Certification, Certificate of Responsible Relationships, www.MarianneLive.com, CORE Certification, Learning Tools to Attract, Build, and Sustain Great Relationships. Also sign up for Marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the Northern California area, www.MarianneLive.com. HealthyLife.net, the positive radio network. All right, everybody. I know we're going to get into the predicted powers of relationships later on here, but for the moment, let's talk a little bit about Darwin's theory and his ideas around adaption and where you've taken it to pre-adaption. Well, as you know, you know, I was trained as a sociobiologist, which is an evolutionary biologist, and so you know, I look at everything as a challenge in adapting. And in particular right now with so much data being created as quickly as we're creating it uh, and, and so much technological change coming at us every day, even as a person who is, you know, that's my lane, right, technology and science, I can barely mm -hmm. keep up. And I think I'd mentioned to you that the latest study indicates that doctors would have to read journals 
and scientific papers in their specific field 160 to 180 hours a week in order to stay current. And, and no, if you just do the numbers, that leaves no time to see patients or eat or sleep. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. So, so, you know, it's just, it's just not possible. We, we have to, let's just face it, we have to rely on machines. And, 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 and so that means we have to go through a, a, a significant period of adaptation. But what I argue now is, is that analytics allowed us to adapt to knowledge that we already had about what has already occurred. But now with predictive analytics and knowing what uh, it has a very high probability of occurring in the immediate and the long-term future, we have a chance to adapt before an event has occurred, and that is a huge revolution in human existence. Mm -hmm. Give us some examples. Give us some examples. Well, a, 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 a good example is, you know, weather. We used to collect weather information from satellites uh, every six minutes. Now, with the new satellites that have been launched really in the last year and a half, we collect it every six seconds. So when you look at, like, Hurricane Harvey, which was a very complicated hurricane, it went inland and then it went back out to the ocean again, collected moisture, and then came back inland again, there were about six models that were being tracked using the new satellites. And the interesting thing was, is of the six models, five were dead on and accurate not only in rainfall levels, but also in, in the trajectory of the hurricane. So there's an example where by being accurate and knowing right, what to prepare for, we can evacuate entire cities and entire areas and save people's lives. So there's a concrete example. Um, it okay. doesn't mean we'll always take the data and do something about it. Right now with yeah. climate change, we have more data than we've ever had in human history on any subject probably. And, uh, you know, we're all acting like dunces. And, and right. we're acting as though we can just uh, react to, you know, do something at the last minute. There's no last-minute save like baseball when it comes to climate change. And so, you know, we, we need to engage the rational parts of our brain and, right. and be prepared to act. Which you actually have for us in the book. You've created uh, 12 principles you use to demonstrate how we can adapt in nature uh, and everybody can use these principles. Um, give us a couple of examples of those. Well, during the break, you and I were just sort of talking about the fact that, you know, uh, pattern recognition is very, very important. So one of the ways you can adapt is you can go look for something that's successful or look for a pattern of behavior that's successful and emulate that. And sometimes that's a, a pretty shocking thing because you have to look outside your industry and outside your frame of reference. And the example, one of the examples I give is Dole Fresh Foods. I was, they're the largest producer of fresh fruits and vegetables. And, you know, one day I was trying to think about a way that they could move these uh, products faster so that they get to the grocery store fresher and they have greater nutritional content. And it occurred to me that, that the best models for them were the emergency room. And so I took the executives from Dole down to an emergency room and I said, when you think about it, when you cut a banana or a pineapple from the field, it begins dying. And the idea now is to get it to the grocery store in as good a condition as possible. That's the same mission that you have in the ER. When you pick up a patient, they're in critical condition. They're dying, and you've got to get them to the hospital in as good a condition as possible so that they can they have a good chance of surviving. And the vet, the people at Dole said, but we don't use the term dying. And I said, yeah, but we need to adopt some of the software and hardware and procedures used in an ER room 
to uh, be able to move faster. And that was a big eye-opener for them and radically changed yeah. how they did business. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, let's, let's flip over to my lane, as you say, in the area of relationships. You talk about this in, in some ways in, in regards to your principles. Give us another principle and let's use it in the area of relationship because connection, we're not going to do this without each other. We need each other. Exactly. I think all the principles apply to relationships. As you know, I, I, I don't give relationship advice because, you know, uh, anyone taking advice from me on relationships is a You, you tell them to call me. Exactly. <laughs> they need to call you. They, that, that's not my, my lane is science. And, and anybody can look at my personal relationships and say, yeah, okay, there's the empirical evidence. We should not ask her for advice. Uh, <laughs> You've been busy helping us survive and stay alive, so you're okay. But all relationships are about adaptation, right? You're adapting to each other, and you're adapting to the circumstances that come to you in the world. And it's how you adapt as a team, I think, that really ultimately determines your success. So, so you know, when I look at these principles, they really all are very, very similar. You know, uh, one of the principles is there's more failure than there is success. Right, and and that is true. But the question is, do 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 you have a good relationship with failure? You know, what is what is your definition of a failed relationship, and what is your definition of a successful relationship, and what is your what is your relationship with failure? You know, if you if you go through a divorce and you say, well, I'm a failure at relationships, then you've kind of set the tone for what's going to come at you. Because you've defined that as a failure rather than a learning experience. Exactly. And so I think it's really important to frame up failure and say, what is failure in a relationship, right? And, and what is not, and, and then to make friends with that failure in some way and take that away as, as, a, right. as a growth opportunity yeah. as opposed to uh, setting you up for additional failure in the future. Beautiful. Beautiful advice. Thank you for that. We're at the top of the hour. We're on the verge. What do you want to leave us with? Well, we are on the verge of a major sea change and that the future is not unknown and it's going to be increasingly known, including in, in relationship outcomes. We're certainly going to get to a point where we'll be able to say, you know, you have a high compatibility level or a low compatibility level. Um, it turns out that intelligence, Marianne, uh, a one to three uh, standard deviation in intelligence really sets people up for a rough road in a relationship. So you want, that turns out to be one of the major metrics. So it it turns out that there's a lot of information that we're getting and we're collecting. And I think that if people are aware of that, they can ask for it or they can research it and they can avoid a lot of problems down the road. Beautiful. I love you, Rebecca. I'm saying it again. We love you, Beth. So grateful, so grateful that you took your time to write this book for us. It's going out all over. We hope your book tour continues to be a huge success. And uh, happy holidays. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, everybody, sit tight. We're going to break. We'll be back for our wrap right after these messages. Everybody, I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, 
We spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lide and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Where can I contain all of my stuff? Hmm, how about this? The Container Store the original storage and organization store. And I found their link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. They have containers for everything, including the kitchen, the bathroom, trash and recycling, traveling, spring cleaning, and dorm rooms. Just about everything you can think of to contain your stuff. The Container Store, right on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. Everybody, thanks for joining us. All right, you are going to continue to deliberate the future. Are you prepared? What do you know about the future? Well, according to Rebecca Costa, we are on the verge of knowing more things than maybe we were prepared for. Get a copy of her book and find out more about what's on deck, technologically speaking, in the area of health, wellness, weather, uh, terrorism, personality disorders, you name it, she is discussing that in the book, and it's a riveting, not going to put this book down, read. Uh, joining us next week, Heather Ashamara is going to be here talking about her new book, Awaken Your Inner Fire. And in the meantime, third part of your practice is go do something good for somebody. Don't let them know you did it. Make it a great holiday for yourself. Enjoy. Keep breathing in and out. And don't forget to go to MarianneLive.com and download our app, our free uh, our great relationships begin within divination deck. It's under true love now. Um, it's a great gift for the holidays to our divination deck. Keep that in mind. You can get a copy at MarianLive.com. All right, everybody. Wish you every blessing. Happy holidays. See you next week. <laughs>